evening. Thank you for having me back. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. I, I told you all this morning since we went through, you know, the entire book of Jonah, we would match that pace this evening and go through the entire book of Philemon. So, if you will, turn in your Bibles to Philemon. Let's begin at chapter 2, Philemon chapter 2. I just wanted to see someone get caught up, but, you know, y'all are too good for that. All right, we'll go through all of Philemon. What we see in Philemon is three examples of authentic Christian living. And obviously, authentic, when I use that word authentic, that means real, that means flawed, that means there's some effort involved, that means there's maybe some shortcomings, that also means, because it is Christian living, that there are real triumphs. And these three guys that we'll look at give us three pictures of authentic Christian life. And for tonight, what I'm asking you is, who will you be? We have three choices. Who will you be? Three examples of authentic Christian living. I'll go ahead and, and read through, I mean, hold on to yourselves. I'm going to read through the whole book of Philemon, but here we go. Starting in verse 4. I always thank God as I remember you in my prayers. Because I hear about your love for all his holy people and your faith in the Lord Jesus. I pray that your partnership with us in the faith may be effective in deepening your understanding for every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. Therefore, although in Christ I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, yet I prefer to appeal to you on the basis of love. It is as none other than Paul, an old man, and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ, that I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he has become useful to both you and me. I am sending him, who is my very heart, back to you. I would have liked to have keep him with me so that he could take your place in helping me while I am in chains for the gospel. But I did not want to do anything without your consent so that any favor you do would not seem forced but would be voluntary. Perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back forever, no longer as a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother. He is very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a fellow man and as a brother in the Lord. So if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has done you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will pay it back, not to mention that you owe me your very self. I do wish, brother, that I might have some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I ask. And one more thing. Prepare a guest room for me 
because I hope to be restored to you in answer to your prayers. Who will you be? Three pictures. I want to begin with Onesimus. Onesimus, we find out he's formerly a slave. If you look in verse 11, you find there he was a former slave of Philemon. We also realize that he has left Philemon. It's assumed that he ran away and probably did some kind of wrong to Philemon. In other words, people, people expect that maybe on his way out the door that Onesimus stole something from Philemon. Maybe he did him some kind of physical wrong. But anyway, on his escape, that he has somehow undermined Philemon's authority, his mastership, what have you, his property, we don't know. But somehow, Onesimus has not, led, uh, not you know, lived up to his bargain as being a slave. Interesting thing that the name Onesimus, it means useful in Greek. But here you can see Paul, he does some really cool, fancy literary work in verse 11, because Paul says, you know, he's been useless before, but now he's useful to me and you both. So Paul is saying, basically, Onesimus is now starting to live up to his name. He was useless to you. Why would you even keep him as a slave? He can't even stay there. He runs away if you keep him a slave. And he steals from you. He's useless. But now he is very useful to me. And if you welcome him back as a brother, he will be useful to you. God is using this man. Onesimus has been an asset to Paul while in prison. He's living up to his name. And obviously, in verse 11... Although we know he's a former slave, in verse 12, you can see that, well, he is a slave no longer. Onesimus' theme song is that worship song that says, I am no longer a slave to fear, I am a child of God. And when I ask, who will you be, I think it's very important to note for authentic Christian living that every follower of Jesus Christ automatically has Onesimus status. Everyone who follows Jesus has become a child of God and has fled from slavery. Jesus, in John chapter 8, 34, 35, he says this, Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no place in the family, but a son belongs there. Onesimus is no longer a slave who has no place. He's no longer useless. Jesus says, you have a place at the table. And so that's why Paul is constantly calling him brother. He's my son. Welcome him like a brother. He's my own. Remember this. He's to be equal. Galatians 4, 7 says this. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. Since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. So Paul is not just saying, hey, you need to recognize that this dude's a little bit different. Philemon, he's also an heir. He has benefits coming his way. Don't just treat him like a slave. He's going to do the same thing I'm doing. He deserves the same respect that you deserve. So Paul claims Onesimus is his son. 
He expects Philemon to treat him this way because he's no longer a slave, just like Galatians. He is an heir and equal partner. And, and Paul uses this word partner several times, and we'll get to that in a second. He's an equal partner to the same work of God like Paul is, and therefore he's also the same heir to the riches of God like Philemon is. He's doing the same work of Paul, and he better get the same riches as Philemon. This dude is an heir. He's no longer a slave. He is a son of God. Onesimus is the one who ran away from slavery and is to be counted among the righteous now. He didn't earn his freedom. He didn't pay for it. In fact, he just stole out of there. But by grace, he has been gifted the title of brother. That's why I say anyone who turns away from sin and trusts in Christ to save them, they get Onesimus status automatically. You are no longer a slave. You are a child of God. You are to be treated as a fellow brother, a fellow heir. Your freedom has been purchased by Christ, and you are counted as sons. You got a seat at the table. So says Jesus. Well, our next candidate, though, is Paul. You automatically get Onesimus status as a Christian, but many of us would love to be a Paul. Paul, we know, is a prisoner of Rome. In verse 10, we can see that he's in chains for the gospel. But if you notice in verse 1, that's not really how Paul describes himself. Paul begins by saying he's a prisoner of Jesus Christ. He's in jail under a Roman authority, but he's saying, I'm a prisoner of Jesus. And I love that attitude about Paul. The greatest empire in the world and they've got him locked up, and he's, I mean, he's, he's Otis from, from Andy Griffith. I ain't really serving time here. I'm just here for a meal and a bed, and I'll be out of here soon, all right? Don't mind me. You can just keep the key right here. I'll be out soon. Paul's attitude is great. I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ. They got me locked up in these chains. Don't worry about that. I'm going to do everything I need to do to advance the gospel. The kingdom of God will not fail. Onesimus is on my side. He's going to do some work. I've got Timothy here. He's going to do some work. We're not going to fail. I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Don't you worry about the Roman Empire. I love Paul. All right, he's also a partner, though. Here's the word that Paul is using several times to remind Philemon what he needs to do, how he needs to think. Partner. In verse 6, I'm going to read verse 6 one more time. I pray that your partnership with us in the faith may be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing that we share for the sake of Christ. That's very important. So the word for the partnership here is koinonia, the Greek term which basically means partnership. It means sharing and mutual participation. This is not a group project where one student does nothing and still gets the A because the other guy. That's a great gospel story. You didn't earn it, but you got the grade. Good job. Koinonia, everybody shares the load. And everybody gets the benefit. Paul is reminding Philemon, Onesimus is one of us now. And he's going to get the benefit. And he's doing the work. And Philemon... You better do the work too and share that benefit. That's the idea of koinonia. 
mutual participation, sharing in the benefits. Paul needs Philemon to understand that. He needs to understand that all followers of Jesus are to be treated this way then. They share in the works of God, and they share in the gifts of God. Equal beneficiaries. That's why Christians are equal on the side of God. We treated each other equally. Koinonia. It's not just a thing. It's an action. So, automatically, we are Onesimus status. Congratulations, followers of Jesus Christ. But, graduate, partner, Paul, Koinonia, equal work, equal benefit. All getting involved, but all getting the same gifts. We also see that Paul is not overbearing. Look in verse 8 and 9. Paul is not overbearing. I love how he, he phrases this. Therefore, although in Christ, I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do. Yet, I prefer to appeal to you on the basis of love. This is before he makes his case for Onesimus. And basically, I love the preface there to Philemon. Like, you know, I could just pull rank with you because I'm Paul and you're Philemon. And, you know, this letter that I'm writing to you, little do you know, is going to be considered the word of God for over 2,000 years and people are going to put it in the same scripture as like the law of Moses. So you could just listen to me, but I'm going to let you have a chance to decide for yourself. Paul is not overbearing, and I find that very interesting. He could be, but the authentic Christian life is not to pull rank and to be a bully. And Paul gives him a chance to decide for himself. Philemon, I want you to freely choose this because that's what an authentic Christian would do, to freely choose to count Onesimus as a free man. And I'm giving you that choice. Not that order, the choice. Paul is also an advocate. Look in verse 10. Here he goes. Here's his plea. That I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. Paul is an advocate for Onesimus for those that don't have an advocate. And it's also part of the Christian life then, the koinonia, to say, who is not getting equal treatment? Who is not getting the equal gifts of God? And to step in for that person and to advocate and to say, this person also deserves their reward in God because they are a, a son of God. They are my brother, and they need to be treated that way. Paul's an advocate. Paul's also like a savior, not the Savior. Paul is like a Savior. In other words, Paul is Christ-like. Look at verse 17. So if you consider me a partner, same word, welcome him as you would welcome me. Just as you consider me, that's how you need to consider Onesimus. If he has done you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will pay it back. That is like a Savior. This is, I mean, this is the gospel written out in three verses, pretty, pretty simply. Whatever he's done wrong, 
charge it to me. And welcome him as you would welcome me. The idea of Christ as this substitute that would come in before God the Father and basically say, whatever they have done wrong, charge it to me. You can nail me to a cross. In return, whenever you greet them, greet them as you would greet me. That's koinonia for you, but with a lot of mercy on our part. As a great gift. And Paul is like this Savior. He's being Christ-like to say, this man probably doesn't deserve squat. He ran out on you. He didn't fulfill his end of the bargain as a slave. He stole from you probably. He's done some damages. I don't know what. Just charge it to me. Let him go free. I'll work it off for him. But welcome him as you will welcome me. That's the picture of Christianity. That we boldly approach the throne of God saying, I'm going to be welcomed in heaven as if I were like Jesus, a co-heir with Jesus. Not because I was a Philemon or a Paul, simply because I was like Onesimus that had a Paul on my behalf. I trust in Christ who has charged all of my debt to his account. And Jesus is the one, the advocate in heaven, saying, welcome this guy as if you would welcome me. Man, I love Paul. He is like a savior. Not the savior. He's like a savior. Paul is also optimistic. Look in verse 22. And one more thing. Prepare a guest room for me, because I hope to be restored to you in answer to your prayers. Again, Paul... He's in chains, Roman authorities. I'm not a prisoner of Rome. I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ. I expect to get out of here, and I will see you real soon. I love this authentic Christian aspect of optimism in Paul. Paul is so optimistic. The greatest empire in the world, I don't care. I've got the king of kings. I don't care about an emperor. You just, you make a guest room for me. I'll be out of here soon. I'll see you. That's authentic Christian living too. Optimism. We're going to win. I don't care what's happening right now. You'll see me soon. Gosh, I love Paul. Philemon is the only letter from Paul that doesn't specifically mention the death and resurrection of Jesus. Did you realize that? Philemon is the only letter from Paul that does not mention the death and resurrection of Jesus. I think 17 through 19, basically, he doesn't have to. Verse 17, 18, and 19, he shows you the death and resurrection of Jesus. He demonstrates it for you. He doesn't say it, but he shows you what it's like, that authentic Christian life represent the death and resurrection of Jesus. I will be like Jesus to you. I will do the work of Christ. I'm trying to be Christ-like to you, an advocate, like a Savior, and optimistic. So, we should also live by Paul's example. We are like Onesimus, yes. We need to graduate into being little Pauls, 
Paul's are the level up from Onesimus, the mature Christian. Paul is the one who's being Christ-like, not just a beneficiary. He also is doing the work. And, you know, being Christ-like isn't exhausted by just being nice to people. I think that's what some of the outside world, I think sometimes that is their picture of Jesus, is that it's, he's just the guy that welcomes little children on his knee and, you know, chip off the old block. God bless you. Have a nice day. That is not the totality of Christ-like. It is also advocacy. It is also stepping in for someone in need. It's also optimism and focus and determination to accomplish the goal. And that's what we see in Paul. I think one step in Christian maturity is the simple step from Onesimus to Paul. Level up. Get to Paul. But he's not the end. Our last candidate for authentic Christian living is Philemon. What we see for Philemon is, one, we know he's wealthy. And wealthy will get you a long way because we realize that he has slaves. Onesimus was one of his slaves. So this guy's pretty well off, but he's not just wealthy. He's generous. Here's the key. He's generous with his wealth. Verse 1 and verse 2, I'll spell it out for you. Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our dear friend and fellow worker, and to the church that meets in your home. He used his home as a church. The Roman Empire, at this time, there was no Forest Heights Baptist Church, but they did have Philemon's house. He was wealthy, but he was generous. He allowed a church to meet in his house. And that means he adopted some risk. It's not just okay to have a house church at this time in the Roman Empire. It's, that's risky business. Philemon is, he's taking a big risk here. He's not only sacrificing his wealth, his property, he's putting his life on the line. His safety is at risk here. But it's worth it. Koinonia. I'm a partner in this. And I'm going to receive the gifts of God. You can have my house. Come in. He's willing to join the work. He's a part of that partnership. My goal, at least one of my main goals as a Christian before I die, to be like Philemon in one aspect, I want to be a reverse tither. Now, reverse tither is an interesting concept, and I know, I, was, I love your looks on your faces. That was great. Um, what in the world? Where's first? So, obviously, the, the concept of the tithe introduced in the Old Testament was whatever portion you have, <laughs> divide it up in tenths, and nine of that you keep. Have fun. Ten, that belongs to God. This ten if the whole nation of Israel simply gives 10% of what they have to the priestly class, then the priestly class keeps going. And we all, koinonia, but in Hebrew, have nice things. It's a great system if everybody participates. A reverse tither would be, whatever your portion, you keep 10%. And you give 90 
you're doing the math in your head, yeah, you got to be filthy rich to do that. Whew. You do. Which is why I'm in the ministry. So, it is my goal before I die to become a reverse tither. I want to be like Philemon. Not because I like wealth. It's because I want to be generous. And the Lord loves a cheerful giver. I want to do my part for Koinonia, and I hope it's a reverse tither. Philemon, he's wealthy, but he, he's generous with it. We also see that Philemon is refreshing. Look at verse 7. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. Refreshing. That is an underappreciated word, especially in the Bible. Refreshing means this. It's welcome. Refreshing is always something that's welcome. Refreshing is reinvigorating, revitalizing. It's stimulating. Refreshing is like an electric shock that doesn't hurt. Refreshing is always welcome. And Philemon is refreshing to the hearts of the people meeting in his home. Refreshing, then, is a very underrated, very underappreciated aspect of Christian life. When you think of all the things that a Christian should be, and we went through those with Paul, too. Go-getter. Paul's confident. He's optimistic. He's doing the work. He's like a savior. He's stepping in. He's advocating. Man, Christians are supposed to be refreshing. A good aroma. Salt of the earth. And it's so underappreciated. And it's something that I don't think we, con- we concentrated on as a church, and I think we must, especially the way our world is trending, we must just be refreshing. When you think of the fruits of the Spirit, who knows all the fruits of the Spirit? Fruits of the Spirit. Man, I was hoping someone just just nail them out. When you take all of them, if you sum them up, faithfulness, self-control, patience, goodness, gentleness, joy, kindness, peace, love, Sum them up, that's refreshment. That is refreshing. And if I could sum up one thing that you could be to the world, like Jesus, be what? Refreshing. That's Philemon. Philemon is a blessing to others by sharing his wealth, and simply, he's just a delight. I bet this guy is just so much fun to be around. Are you fun to be around? I guess that's a hard rhetorical question. If you can look inside yourself and go, I ain't that fun. You got some work to do. Authentic Christian living is you are a pleasure to be around. You're not sunshine and rainbows. I'm not saying you need, that's not what I'm saying. If you make people's lives harder just by existing, that's not an authentic Christian life. You are to, as iron sharpens iron, you are to make someone's uh, life more Christ-like. You are to drive people into uh, a better focus, into uh, more worthy living. You are to take that road, a hard road. That's true. But not overbearing, like Paul, not overbearing. Be delightful. Make someone's life better. Imagine it's, you know, 
it's 100 degrees outside. You've been doing yard work for an hour. Look, even water from the garden hose is like holy water, you know, from some glacier in the Himalayas or something. Our world is turning into 100, this is not a climate change uh, speech, our world is turning into 100 degree Fahrenheit yard work all the time type of atmosphere. And all you really need to do is be a garden hose. Make this world better. A garden hose is holy water. It's a glacial stream. You are salt of the earth. Automatically Onesimus. Graduated, leveled up into Paul. And as a wise and mature Christian growing into Philemon. If I take... I want to exhaust this refreshing illustration. Imagine not only that you just need a, a, just a water to quench your, quench your thirst, that you're maybe just dehydrated. Now let's take something much more worldly. How about this? You're on a beach. You're in your folding chair in the sand, and you're working on your sunburn. If you can imagine one drink, the one thing, that I need right now. I forgot my beach umbrella. Ugh. I, I don't know where I put that sunblock. I got sand all over me anyway. I don't know. What's the one drink? You be that drink for others. Pastor told me to be ginger ale today. Be refreshing for other people. Whatever it is, be refreshing. Here's the last part for Philemon. One more aspect authentic Christian living. In verse 15, Philemon has room to grow. Philemon is not perfect. Philemon has room to grow. Verse 15 says this, perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back. In other words, Philemon, I know you're probably mad that your slave ran away from you and that he, maybe he stole something from you, maybe he took some property, maybe he hurt you, I don't know what. But maybe there's a reason for this and he's coming back and you got a choice of what you're about to do about it. And you can decide, I'm not going to overbear you, but you can decide, will you let your pride, will you let... your property, your wealth, when? Or will you let your generosity, will you let koinonia win? Philemon has room to grow. And I would really do love, at the end, we don't know what Philemon did. There was no second Philemon. That's the, that's the next trick. Got to tell someone to turn to second Philemon. There is no follow-up. Who knows what Philemon did? I, I think he took Paul's suggestion. I think he welcomed him as a brother. I think that Philemon's heart is generous, and he's taking so many risks for the gospel of Christ that it's not even a choice, really. I have to honor this commitment. I must treat him as a brother, like a son to Paul. I have to, because we're partners, I have to partake in this work 
and give him the benefits. I think he took, took Paul up on his advice. Philemon isn't perfect, but he's got room to grow. And here's what Philemon does. If he does build him up, I think this is what he does. Philemon's job and the job of the very mature Christian, the Philemon in the Christian world, is that he uses his gifts, his talents, his property, his wealth, whatever, and he focuses it in on the younger population. He focuses it on the new Christians. He focuses it on the less mature. He focuses it on those who need Philemon, the wealth, the generosity, it outpours into someone like Onesimus who needs the maturity, who needs the benefits, who needs a second chance. That's why I want that reverse tithing. At some point before I die, I want to be able to shape the next generation. That's coming from a millennial. You know, Gen Z is nuts. They're crazy. But I'm going to tell you what. I want to make sure Gen Z changes the world. Philemon, he's not perfect, but he takes what he has and he pours it into the next generation and builds them up. He's an encourager. He's wise. As Paul's an advocate, Philemon is such an asset. He grows the church. And so for those of you, when I ask, who will you be? These three figures of authentic Christian living, Onesimus, Paul, Philemon. Onesimus is the beginner Christian. Paul's a seasoned veteran. He's becoming more like Christ. Philemon is the elder who can give, who can influence, who can use his wisdom to build up others. Who will you be? Your stage of life, whoever you are, level up to the next. A church would be weird if it was just a bunch of Philemons. You know that? Just a bunch of elders with a whole bunch of money, very generous. Who are we going to give it to? All the other generous people. That doesn't work. What if the church was made up of a bunch of Onesimuses? Onesimai. <laughs> Nothing. Immaturity, running around, can't do anything. They're an asset and they're trying hard, praise God. But they need someone to help them out. And they need direction, like a Paul. And what happens if you have a church of a bunch of Pauls? That's just chaos. It's crazy. They're all go-getters, and no one's going to, you know, no one's going to be the one to step in and go, hang on a second. Wait, this may be a bad idea. You've got to have someone in there to temper your Paul. Church is great because it has an Onesimus, it has a Paul, it has a Philemon. Who are you? All three are good choices. My encouragement to you is this, level up. Whoever you are, advance it. Become more like Christ. Become more generous. And recapture that delightful spirit. Even Onesimus. No credit to his name. He's free. Recapture that. When you're free, you're refreshing. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much that you've given us uh, models of behavior in Christian life.
thank you that you have gifted us in different places and different times. You've, you've made us different than others, and, and I thank you for that, that we are unique and that we get to use those talents as you would, you would have us to do. Lord, I ask that you would make us just better Christians all around. Wherever we are in our life, that you would advance us, that you would uh, grow our abilities to be uh, more like you. And ask, Lord, that for those, anyone who doesn't know you, Lord, I ask that they would capture that Onesimus spirit, that they would flee from slavery, and that they would gladly become a child of God, that they would reach out and take that opportunity. And Lord, because it's so freely given, they would, they would be able to confidently approach you and to, and to trust that it is uh, sure, that their salvation is secure in the same way that Paul would say, Whatever they have done, charge it to me. So your son has also said the same thing. Whatever we have done, you can charge it to Christ and let us go free. Whoever doesn't know you, Lord, I ask that you would give them the courage, that they would walk forward in this invitation time, and that they would get to know you. We're all on their side. We're all being Paul's. We're all being Philemon's. Thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. Don't know Christ? I'm going to just, I'm going to stand right down here. I'm going to turn my mic off if you actually want to talk to me. Nobody will hear you. This will be your time. Man, come up and talk. Just as Paul says in 17, 18, and 19, the gift is free for you. Koinonia, you can be a partner have a seat at the table forever. As Jesus says, if you are a son, you belong. Right here it says, a place to belong.